I'm Taylor, and you're listening to the Hopeless Sports Mantid Podcast. We are back. I know it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. Got a little busy with school over the last couple of weeks, but now I think things have settled down a bit and we've finally got some solid news to talk about in the sports world. Today's episode is going to cover the biggest news of today, which is the two-year deal that J.J. Watt agreed to with the Cardinals. He's heading to Arizona, and then I'm also going to go over where I think some of the big NFL free agents are going to end up as free agency opens up in a matter of days. So it's going to be a great show, and I think we're going to hear some pretty good. You're going to hear some pretty good takes, and maybe some not so pretty good takes, but we'll have to see how free agency shakes up heading into the next couple of weeks. So we'll jump right into the big headline of the day, which is, of course, as I said, J.J. Watt's contract with the Arizona Cardinals. It's two years, $31 million, with, I believe, $23 million guaranteed, which is a little interesting to me, given the fact that JJ turns 32 and March, he is getting up there in age a little bit. And he's kind of constantly been dealing with injuries throughout most of his career. So it'll be interesting to see if that kind of risk involved does affect the long-term effectiveness of the contract. I think this is, a pretty good fit for him. I mean, obviously Arizona runs a three, four. That's what he was in when he was in Houston. So we won't have to deal with possibly a scheme switch kind of a thing. Like you do with some guys when they go to newer teams and he's going to have some pretty good help to go along with he's to avoid getting i guess getting double teamed and taken out of games completely he's got chandler jones who's coming back from a season-ending bicep injury hopefully he'll be able to come back and be 100 percent. but the breakout guy for arizona this year was definitely hassan reddick he had a monster game against the giants especially and kind of was the guy that allowed Arizona's defense to say stay somewhat respectable despite how much they got hit by the injury bug this year and I think is going to benefit even more from now having J.J. Watt lining up to rush the passer, passer with him at the same time. Other big note is, of course, he's joining former Texans teammate DeAndre Hopkins there, who was a big proponent of getting him to Arizona, sent multiple tweets out to try to recruit him in, which is definitely becoming more and more of the case with some of these big-time free agents, especially with how much guys are able to market themselves despite maybe being in a smaller market or in a situation to where you wouldn't expect them to be able to make as much money off the field or with endorsements, guys are getting better and better at that with the 
expansion of social media within the sports industry. Now, I looked at the numbers to kind of see where Arizona was and if this was kind of a desperation move to get things going a bit quicker, given how much they really struggled down the stretch of the season this year after going getting off to a very good start, beat Seattle in overtime in one of the better games of the year, and had some pretty flashy plays, including that Hail Mary against Buffalo at home and somehow ended up missing the playoffs altogether once teams like Los Angeles got it going and Seattle was able to hold on towards the end there and ended up where those two divisional opponents ended up facing each other in the first round of the playoffs, obviously. So given that situation, I would think that it's kind of a desperation move, like putting bandaid a bandaid on the pass rush on the defense a little bit, but it's not really the case. I mean, Arizona is middle of the road and a lot of defensive statistics, especially passing statistics in terms of passer rating, yards per game, touchdowns, interceptions. But the one stat where they are towards the bottom, and they are twenty nine, they were 29th in the league last year in sacks. So you think maybe with the infusion of J.J. Watt into this front seven with Chandler Jones hopefully coming back 100% healthy, that can really jumpstart the pass rush and then improve the defense as a whole for Arizona. They will be losing Patrick Peterson, who, although isn't really the shut shut down corner he used to be, he is still um, a very solid veteran influence in the locker room, but a guy that's really helped mentor other guys along with Larry Fitzgerald in that defense. So, It'll be interesting to see if they decide to bring him back or if they decide to go for somebody in free agency or some other news coming out today was from Jason LaCanfora is it's looking very likely that New England might shop Stephon Gilmore. So maybe Arizona pulls the trigger on that one. Maybe they go corner in the draft given the amount of weapons that they've added on the offensive side of the ball with Andy Isabella, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenyon Drake, who is a free agent. Maybe they can bring him back. But defense is definitely the side of the ball that Arizona is looking to improve on, and I think getting J.J. Watt can be a solid improvement for them. Another key point I really want to make on this topic is I find it extremely fascinating that J.J. picks Arizona of all the places that showed interest, including Cleveland and Green Bay and um, plenty of other places gave him offers. One difference or clear difference, which I think was the deciding factor, was the... Post reti- I think JJ is looking towards post-retirement life. I think he's really decided that he wasn't going to go the Le'Veon Bell route. He wasn't going to go the Leonard Fournette route and take a small amount of money and ring chase, even at 
as he nears towards the end of a very story career. I think he's, it's almost as if he's, he understands that given the resume that he has, how he's been probably the most dominant defensive player over the last 10 years that he doesn't have that much to prove. And he's already probably a hall of famer, if not a first ballot hall of famer. So there's not really a need for him to do this ring chasing kind of thing. His body's taken a beating. I think he also wants a good amount of money to go along with the pounding that he's taken throughout his career. And I think it's all centered around. I mean, he, he, he got married very recently. He's got a spouse to worry about. And I think he's looking at where he wants to settle down. And I think he wants to settle down in the Arizona area after football. So I think that's kind of a key factor in him picking this in picking Arizona when I think that Cleveland was a better place for him. You have Miles Garrett to go along with. You have Denzel Ward, who's one of the better young corners in the league. You've got Baker Mayfield, who's really improved his leadership capabilities this year and a team that had a great game against the Chiefs in the conference championship game and is only going to get better. But I mean, that's that looked like the best signing to me for him, but that's not what he decided to do and decided to go to Arizona. But do I fault him for that decision? No. Do I think that he can still have some success in Arizona? Yes. Do I think that this puts Arizona over the top in the NFC West in one of the more competitive divisions in football? No. I still think for sure Los Angeles is better than them with being able to pick up Matthew Stafford and the fact that they have Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, that defense along with Sean Ritvey's offensive mind. I still think Los Angeles is the favorite in the NFC West, if not one of the Super Bowl contenders out of the NFC. Do I think there's a possibility that Arizona is going to be able to pass up Seattle and become a wild card team. Yes. But I think a lot of that really hinges on what goes on here with this Russell Wilson situation. So I am not sure what right now I say no, but if say this situation with Russell Wilson continues to get worse then. I think the odds of Arizona becoming a more competitive team increase with that. So it'll be this this possibility of Russell Wilson moving around, whether there's any truth to these rumors at all, is going to really, really just kind of decide the playoff situation in the NFC in a way. So it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes up. Alrighty. So that concludes my thoughts on the JJ Watt signing, which was the big news of the day. And we're going to have a quick break with an ad. And then I'll jump right into where I think some of the 
free agents are going to end up for the 2021 NFL season. All righty, to jump right into some of the free agent predictions that I have, as well as some possible player movement situations, of course, I've got to cover my opinion on where I think Deshaun Watson ends up and possibly Russell Wilson, given some of the the pretty much constant trade rumors that have centered around them, as well as Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford prior to the trades that were made for those guys. There's really been an unprecedented amount of quarterback movement and spoiler alert. I don't think that's necessarily over with heading into this year. I think with how quarterback driven this league is, teams are going to be extremely willing to give out um, big pay payments in terms of draft picks and players that have value in other positions, if not overpay for those kind of quarterbacks. But we're going to start off. We're going to stick in, in, in terms of the passing game, but we're not going to go quarterback just yet. It's going to start out with definitely the best receiver available in free agency, probably one of the more underrated receivers in the league, and that is Allen Robinson. He's started out in Jacksonville, and then, of course, after his injury came back, had a pretty good year, but then Jacksonville, during kind of the turmoil of the post-Saxonville run and the mismanagement by Tom Coughlin didn't re-sign him. So then he went to Chicago and has put up pretty astounding numbers considering the horrendous quarterback play he's had to deal with throughout his entire run in Chicago with the constant swapping between Trubisky and um, Nick Foles this year. And... I think he's going to want to go to a situation where they can have a solid offensive mind and they're going to really make it a key aspect of their offense to get him the ball. And the team that I think could use his skill set the most is Indianapolis. They have plenty of cap space to give him a big long-term deal if he wants that. He is in his late 20s. Uh, he's approaching 30, so we I don't know how much they'll be willing to give him. Maybe they go, I'm thinking maybe a three-year deal at the longest, but they've definitely got the space f- to get him and the need to get him with T.O.I. Hilton is a little older, and Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal aren't really the kind of guys that should be up there. Michael Pittman did come on pretty well as a rookie, but I think if they really want to take their passing game to the next level and not just have to rely on that ridiculous offensive line and the tandem of backs that they have, I think the step, if if Indianapolis wants to get over the top, I think they're going to have to get somebody big in free agency. And I think Allen Robinson is that guy. Obviously the big question with that would be, how much does he believe in Carson Wentz as the quarterback? I mean, Wentz had um, 
a great year, led Philly to a great regular season run. Didn't win the Super Bowl himself, but kind of led them to a Super Bowl in that way prior to the ACL injury. And has really struggled since then. I think there's definitely major confidence issues. The offensive line in Philly really struggled and teams kind of figured out ways to play Carson. A big indicator that was kind of um, something, I guess, that ran out of, he ran his luck out on was Carson was pretty much an average quarterback, even in his MVP year, except on third down, he was, ridiculously dominant on third down. And that's when a lot of the big plays happen. That's when a lot of these key things happen. And the improvisational skills that Carson has really came to light during that MVP year. And he hasn't really been able to replicate that since then. However, I do think that we're going to see a bit more consistency from him. I think Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator in Philly, can kind of restore his confidence a little bit. And having that amazing offensive line in front of him is going to allow him to do a, a bit better. I think he's not going to return to borderline MVP level form, but I do think that he can kind of return as a solid, steady quarterback who is going to use his athleticism to be able to make plays with his legs and kind of add a new dynamic aspect to this offense in Indianapolis that was really lacking with old man Phillip Rivers and his dozen kids um, quarterbacking that offense. Do lose a little bit of the trash talk side of things, but... I'm sure that's not really something that is going to make or break this offense for Indianapolis. Along with the fact that they've got Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor there as well. There is a solid running game and a solid offensive line. So you might look at that and say, oh, great. They're not going to pass enough. Allen's not going to want to go there because of the lack of passing. I mean, I think that it's going to set up uh, more big play opportunities. It can allow them to work the RPO game, work the play action game, just make it easier on the quarterbacks to make those more complicated reads and kind of those arm strength throws that Trubisky really struggled with and what really kind of kept Robinson from reaching his full potential in Indianapolis and I think this is a very good time for Indy to really make a run at things. Tennessee loses Arthur Smith to the Falcons at offensive coordinator. Jacksonville, although they could take a next step, is still definitely in that rebuilding stage. And then Houston is just in turmoil at this point with the complete incompetency going on in the front office. So this is definitely Indy's time to shine if they want to do something Huge, and I think Allen Robinson is going to be that guy to really allow them to take the next step in the AFC. Next, we move to the big quarterback free agent, pretty much the only big QB free agent this year, and that's Dak Prescott. 
not going to say too much on this one, given I think it's the outcome is kind of obvious. He's a Dallas. He's a key player for Dallas. Jerry Jones loves to keep his own guys. Jerry Jones likes to sometimes even overpay for the guys that he's got that personal relationship with. And I think that remains the case with Dak, despite his injury. I think what we saw statistically from him and I guess flashes of at times uh, with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, I think Dallas just kind of sees him as the quarterback of the future that they're going to try to build around. Hopefully for Dallas, he'll be able to come back from that gruesome ankle injury he had and continue to develop more as a as a thrower. The big question, I think it's it's also just something that I wouldn't I think they'll try to get this signing out of out of the way early, really allow the front office time to spend the rest of the offseason focusing on a way to rebuild this defense with former Falcons head coach Dan Quinn taking over as the new defensive coordinator. They're really going to focus on adding more speed and physicality, I think, to this Dallas defense. And, I mean, given the the weapons that they have on offense, you got Zeke, you have that tremendous offensive line when healthy, you got Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, obviously, in the draft, and then possibly Michael Gallup if they can bring him back. I mean, offense is definitely not the question. Offense is definitely not the reason why this team struggled this year. Even in the NFC East, it's pretty much 100% on the defense, if not the secondary, and some of the regression from the linebacking core, but maybe Dan Quinn with how he, despite the many other flaws with Atlanta's defense, he was able to consistently develop linebackers, and I think he could make, possibly work with Vander, Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith and allow, especially Jalen Smith, to return to form as the very athletic linebacker that he was a couple of years ago and maybe allow Dallas to maybe get some momentum going in the NFC East, although it'll be interesting to see if Washington is able to really build on their division win from this past season. Next, we're going to move to the edge rusher that's looking for a big payday. Uh, That is Shaq Barrett, who has said he's said it's about time for him to break a bank. Shaq, of course, came into the league as an undrafted free agent, signed with Denver, was a rotational player there on that Super Bowl team. So he was a guy that already had that Super Bowl ring even prior to Tampa's run this year. So I guess that wasn't really as much of a motivator for him. And then after those few years in Denver, he took off in his um, two years he spent in Tampa, had a ridiculous amount of sacks last year and i think is like so he's really looking for his payday and because of that i don't think he's going to end up staying in tampa i think tampa is going to prioritize keeping leaders like levante david and 
keeping and giving maybe even given Devin Devin White an extension, possibly maybe giving getting Tom Brady an extension. It'll just be uh, and it's it's looking like Tampa's gonna franchise tag Chris Godwin, which that is gonna take up a good amount of cap space for them heading into this year. And I think Shaq is really kind of looking for some recognition as well. And I think he really kind of wants to be the guy on a defense. Cause even when he was putting up those crazy numbers, it seems like the media attention is in Tampa was always centered around Levante David and Devin white rather than him as an outside linebacker. Even JPP has gotten a little bit more than him at times. And I think he's going to end up going to kind of, he's going to pull a reverse Tom Brady, I guess you could say. I see him ending up in New England. I think despite the likelihood that Stefan Gilmore gets traded, I think there is, that's kind of how Belichick is able to make up for it and use the, a ton of the cap space that new England has heading into this year. And I think they kind of use him as a, a difference maker to continue to build another solid Belichick defense. And I think that's, I mean, despite what, how much I guess Cam Newton struggled at times in new England, I mean, defense is always going to be a priority for Belichick. It's been that way since he was the special teams coordinator in New York. And when he was the head coach in um, with the Browns, I mean, it's you, you know, no matter what's going on with Brady being there or not, with Cam Newton being the quarterback, with Matt Castle being the quarterback, what the situation on offense looks like for New England the defense is always going to be solid and they're always going to be able to have consistent players there. And I think Shaq Barrett is um, a very big signing to kind of get the uh, spoil most spoiled fan base in football. I should say back on their feed and give them something to get excited about again, heading into the next season. So Shaq Barrett to the new England Patriots in 2021. Now we're going to move into a sort of non-free agent quarterback situation move situation. And we're going to start off with the guy that's been the most blatant about his wishes to leave his current situation. And that is Deshaun Watson. After J.J. Watt left, after the pretty much even when Bill O'Brien was still the head coach, which feels like an, which feels like an eternity ago, Deshaun didn't ever seem really happy about what was going on in Houston. And of course they don't have many draft picks to work with in order to kind of get into that rebuilding stage. So I can understand where he's kind of wanting to get out, but I just don't think that, He's he's going to end up moving. Uh, I mean, there's the big cap dead cap hit that Houston has to deal with if they let him go because they literally just signed him to a long-term extension 
towards the end of last year. So, I mean, that's just a ton of money going to nothing, obviously. And I, in the front office in Houston hasn't, has been very adamant about they want Deshaun to still be the guy there. They don't really want to move him. It's not even with, I guess, a bit of the media distraction and locker room situation that's kind of going on, which he's, I don't want to say he's created because it's really been a variety of things really going on there. They still want him to be the guy. So, there's not really there there the front office isn't really in any kind of rush to do anything to get out of the situation and because of that i see him staying in houston the one i do want to address the one um i guess hypothetical that i've seen really circle around through a lot of in a lot of the mock drafts and a lot of the sports media is the idea that deshaun goes to carolina and there a lot of the media said that it's it's looking like Carolina is going to make a very solid push for him and Houston has seemed to underpay for seemed to um not really get the better end of some of these trades especially with Bill O'Brien as the GM but i think they're just going to have an asking price that is too high for a team like Carolina in the draft position that they have where they could very easily snag a solid quarterback or they could even trade up to with another team like Atlanta or Miami, depending on what those teams want to do. I just think there's too many other options on the table for Carolina to really give up a ton of what they're probably going to have to give up in order to get to Sean. I think it's probably going to include giving up a ton of the key pieces that they have on defense, like Brian Burns or Dante Jackson or Jeremy Chin. And I just don't think with how Matt rule and that front office has worked to construct that defense. I don't think they're going to immediately want to abandon ship on that. And, in order to kind of rush this rebuild that's been going on in Carolina since the Jerry, since Jerry Richardson sold the team. So I think what ends up happening with Carolina is they get a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson, or even maybe a Justin Fields, depending on how the quarterback situation shakes up during draft night. And they kind of play, um, play the young gun game I should say and don't go don't take that kind of risk financially on their future in order to go for a guy like Deshaun and they might regret that they maybe Deshaun kind of continues this level of success maybe he is able to turn around Houston himself they build that team around him we'll just have to see how the future shakes up but I just don't see Deshaun moving on from Houston. However, I do see the other quarterback that's in a very similar situation as this Russell Wilson. I do see him moving on to another team. And the most blatant choice, I should say, for him is 
got to be the Washington football team. I think Washington with that defense, with Terry McLaurin, as well as Cam Sims and Steven Sims, I think they're about as close to just being a quarterback away as a playoff team can get. That defense really took control of the NFC East as the season wore on and played the Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, about as close as a team can play them with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Now, they did give Heineke a decent amount of money, but I think that's also, I mean, it wasn't a crazy amount of money. It was definitely, I mean, I should say like very good backup quarterback money kind of below average starting quarterback money, of course. I mean, I don't blame him. He played one game, although it was against a tremendous Tampa defense. But I think they are willing to kind of leverage some draft picks or maybe even a piece or two from that defense in order to get a quarterback. I mean, that front four, there's plenty of guys there. I feel like Seattle's in a situation they could kind of, Pete Carroll can kind of pick and choose which guy he wants to take from them. And then I think Russell Wilson at the same time has enough leverage in the situation. I think he could, if he wants, if the situation is worse as it's, is worse than how it's been kind of shown in the media although it does seem to worsen each day in the media. Maybe Russell is able to force himself out of Seattle for something cheap just for them to be able to get him off their payroll and get that um, possible bad locker room situation out of there with what uh, Wilson, with the frustrations Wilson has voiced with how They've refused some of his um, ideas on how to construct the team, which at somewhat I, I I kind of see both sides of the equation here. I mean, he is your franchise quarterback. He's done about as everything as you can do for this franchise. Won them a Super Bowl, carried them through some pretty bad offensive lines at times, but also at the same time you do have to see somewhat with the eye test and some with different uh, more analytical stats. The Seattle offensive line isn't as bad as some people might think. Yeah, they give up a good amount of sacks, but when you look at other statistics such as win rate, they're actually towards the top of the league. And then you look on film and some of these sacks are actually created by Russell Wilson's height disadvantage. I mean, there's plays where, there's wide open receivers, but be, the offensive line is preventing Russell Wilson from being able to actually see the field. And he has to try to scramble out or backpedal and ends up creating pressure that wouldn't be there. If say you had a six, three or six, four quarterback, but I mean, at times like there also is ways that they aren't really constructing the offense to his strengths. I definitely think that it was some frustration there from Russell with Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. And of course how he got fired. I think Russell Wilson probably had a 
decent amount of decision-making power with that situation. So I think it's, I think Russell is just kind of ready for a fresh start and a chance to go to a team, I guess that can listen to him more. And I think Ron Rivera is definitely has been one of the more player friendly coaches is one of the better coaches in the league, honestly. And I think he really allows Washington to kind of take that next step and become competitive, not just within the realm of the NFC East. So Russell Wilson to the Washington football team. Now we're going to do end on a, got two more signings possibilities. I kind of want to cover and they're both going to go along the lines of foundational kind of the foundational piece piece for a rebuilding team. First one is going to be Hunter Henry. I see the best tight end available in free agency. I see him hitting going to Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati getting a free agent. That's kind of crazy to think about, but at the same time he is coming off of kind of an injury riddled season and he's, his numbers haven't really been the best. So I think that is going to lower his price, I guess, to the Brown family asking price. And I think they kind of use him as a chance to become a key target for Joe Burrow to throw to alongside T Higgins, who they drafted out of Clemson. I think he's going to kind of be the safety valve for a young quarterback in that offense. And it'll be an easier way for them to kind of add weapons in a draft where, I mean, especially after that injury, they since Cincinnati almost has to go offensive line throughout a lot of this draft, just to give Joe Burrow more protection with how going back to, training camp last year from the very start we all knew that this was going to be a problem for burrow all season long now did we think that it would end in a catastrophic acl injury no but i think that only makes it even more apparent that cincinnati's going to have to go offensive line in the draft in a way that they improve the offense in other ways is through free agency. And I see Hunter Henry being a guy that can give him just a bit more confidence as he continues to develop as an NFL quarterback. And then last but not least, not another case of not actually a free agent, but with the recent tweet from Jason Lucanfora, how it's almost a hundred percent known that, Stefan Gilmore is going to be traded. I had to give my prediction on where I think he'll end up. And like I said, it's kind of a Jacksonville kind of a kind of spoiled it there, but a rebuilding situation. And I think he ends up in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Obviously, given the time frame of when Meyer was the head coach at Florida, he coached against Gilmore at South Carolina. So he's kind of known him at least somewhat going back to his college days. And I think he's going to want a veteran player to kind of 
be the leader in a young but improving defense in Jacksonville. I mean, they've got C.J. Henderson, who did very well as a rookie. Josh Allen, who led all rookies in sacks two years ago in his rookie year. And there was also, they did draft Caleb on chase on last year. He kind of struggled, but I think given time to develop and the coaching staff that Urban Meyer is looking like is going to be there, but I think he's going to want another veteran guy alongside to allow just speed up the process a bit with this rebuild, get allow some of these young guys to get their feet under them in the league and really make a difference. Cause I think it's definitely going to be a team that's built around this defense to really give the first overall pick quarterback, most likely Trevor Lawrence, some support on that side of the ball, just to make it easier for him as he develops and, given the fact that Jacksonville is going to have the most cap space in the league, that won't be a question either. And they'll definitely be able to add other guys in free agency along with possibly working this trade for him with new England, but that's going to conclude the show for today. Make sure to add me on Twitter at Taylor bell, two, 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 to get show updates and some of my hot takes and sports opinions and make sure to subscribe and like the podcast on whichever platform you listen to. And thanks again for listening. This is the hopeless sports Mantid podcast.